0: 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to conclude our mini-series on the three everlasting character qualities that every Christian should aspire to develop in their life. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says, Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Now, we've already looked at the character quality of faith. And we said faith is the ability to rely on and trust God. And the reality is the more we can learn how to rely and trust God, the better our life will be. You know, I was talking to, I was talking to somebody, uh, went to a birthday party last night, Tanya and I. And uh, actually, it was my, uh, my oldest brother. And uh, I was talking to a family there. And, um, this couple had a son that was raised in church, but somewhere along the way, uh, forgot to rely on trust God, and all of a sudden his world started caving in, and now all the philosophies he had prior to his world coming crashing in, th- those philosophies you can't you can't lean on them, but when your faith is in God, it'll be it'll endure the test of time. Amen. And so sometimes it's through the tragedies of life that we end up on the true foundation that we need to be standing on. And the foundation is Jesus Christ. And then we talked about hope. We said hope is the confident expectation, anticipation of good things to come. How many of you know God has good for us? This is the plans that I have for you. Plans for good and not bad, for welfare, not harm. Give you a future and a hope. Whenever we have hope, it infuses us with strength. Because we, we, we're not in despair. We, we, we know that, that things can change. It can be a better tomorrow. Amen? It's good to have hope. So faith and hope in the last is love. The greatest of these is love. So we're going to look at that. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Let love be your greatest aim. Let love be your greatest aim. The number one priority of our life should be learning how to love. Learning to love. Because it's the greatest. It'll outlast everything else. What is love? You know, the, the Bible uses three different words to describe love. And one of them is eros, which means erotic, sensual, sexual kind of love. And then the second word is phileo, which means brotherly love. Like the love we have as siblings or as friends. But then there's that third word called agape. Heard of that word? Agape. It's different than the others. It means unconditional love. It means loving when there's no reason to love. And that's the word we're looking at this morning. It's that agape love. That's the word that's used in 1 Corinthians 14, 1. It says, let love be your greatest aim. Another way to say it is, let unconditional love be your greatest aim. Because we can love. We can love, well, sometimes we can love our family. Sometimes we can love friends. So we can love. But the aim and the goal is to have unconditional love. Right? God wants us to learn how. To love others unconditionally. Now, you know, I wish somebody else would be preaching this sermon here today. You know, I just feel like I'm, I'm dead in the water already. Come on, are you feeling that yet? You know, this is one of those things that, you know, unless you think more highly of yourself than you ought to, you say, hey, this is something I can grow, an area I can grow in. Right? God wants us to learn how to love others unconditionally. Love, learning to love should be life's greatest Priority. Listen what first Peter 4 8 says. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. How many of you know love will help you out? It'll help you out in your marriage. It'll help you out in your parenting. It'll help you out at work. It'll help you out in relationships, right? It'll cover some of your, your um your mistakes, right? So why should love be our greatest priority? Well, let's look at 1 Corinthians 13, just gives us a whole picture of love. But let's give a, let's look at First Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, and let's let 1 Corinthians give us the answer to why love should be our greatest priority. Number one, without love, what I say becomes meaningless. You know, we have this habit of saying, let me tell you what I think. Let me tell you what I believe. Well, sometimes what we think and what we say doesn't really matter. First Corinthians 13 one says, if I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noising gong or a clanging cymbal. Have you ever heard, you know, we, we're not too familiar with gongs, but how about symbols? How many of you like to have somebody clanging on a cymbal all day long at your house? Words without love are just empty words. Words without love are just noise, Paul said. They're just hot air, right? Only words spoken out of a loving heart really mean anything. So we got to remember, before we quick to give people our opinion, we got to make sure that our opinion is encapsulated in love. That whatever we say, whatever we speak, is wrapped around love. Are you all ready to pray now? Shall we just pray and ask God's help? The second reason why love should be our greatest priority is number two. Without love, all I know is insignificant. Paul said, if I had the gift of prophecy, verse 2a, and if I understood all God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. See, I can be a genius, have five doctorates, be a professor, be a, you know, a master of, of theology. But what good is all that if I don't have love? Right. And so sometimes, you know, we we um, we pursue knowledge to the detriment of pursuing love. And so therefore, our knowledge doesn't really have much impact because it's lacking the most important ingredient and which is love. Somebody said, you know, people really don't care how much we know. Until they really know how much we care, right? Then once they know we care, then all of a sudden our words and how much we know have a greater impact. First Corinthians 8, one says knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And sometimes we can be in church just long enough to learn enough to get all puffed up. But we're not building up anybody. Are you all with me out there? The third reason why love should be a priority is without love, my faith becomes powerless. To be, if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. So it doesn't matter what I believe, if what I believe is not wrapped in the wrapping of love. You know, to have great faith is wonderful, but to have a great faith that loves is even more wonderful. Amen? Now, listen, you know, we can become spiritually abusive without love. We can become spiritually abusive if we use the knowledge we learn and we just throw up on people. Have you ever been thrown up on? Parents, yeah, yeah. Have you ever held that little tiny baby? Sometimes, listen. Can we just talk today? Sometimes my goodness, God saves people despite us. Because we're so we're so harsh with our theology and our preaching that people after they get out of our presence they going to look for a doctor to get bandaged up. I think I need to move right on right now. Listen what Galatians 5, 6 says. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Number four, without love, even what I give financially doesn't count. I mean, we could give thousands of dollars. Help the Philippines in their devastation. Paul said in verse 3, if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Now, Paul makes the assumption that we could give and it not be in love. Did you know that we can give and it not be motivated in love? So why why would you give if it's not motivated in love? Well, sometimes we give because we want to gain power. Because we want to control. Because we, we uh, we want to manipulate situations. And our motivation for giving is wrong. Sometimes we give out of guilt. Sometimes we give out of uh, obligation. And listen to what the Apostle Paul says. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives tearfully. You know what? I believe God is more interested in our attitude of giving than in our gift itself. Right? So we've got to give with the right heart. we got to give with the motivation of, I just want to help. Amen? No strings attached. I'm not giving so, so I can. we got to get rid of that part of the sentence. All right. Finally, without love, even the sacrifices I make for God becomes unimportant. Listen to what he says. And see, if I were burned alive for preaching the gospel, but didn't love others, it would be of no value whatsoever. Now, he uses this extreme, if I if I were burned alive for preaching the gospel, well, why in the world would you want to get burned alive for preaching the gospel and it not be motivated out of love? But he's trying to say, listen, you know, it doesn't matter how many people you witness to, how many people you go, you bring to church and how many Bible studies you leave. You can do all that stuff. But if it's not in love, then all of that is not, it's nothing, it's empty. Amen. So love really gives value to the sacrifices we make for the Lord. So Paul's saying this, love should be our greatest priority in life. Why? Because if I love, if love is not my priority, if it's not the motivation of my life, then all I say becomes meaningless, all I know becomes insignificant, all I believe becomes powerless, all I give doesn't count, and all I do for God becomes useless. Wow. Might as well just go ahead and get buried then, right? So love makes life worth living. Base bottom line, right? Love makes life worth living. So how do I know if I'm a loving person? Well, ask your spouse. No, don't not right now. Wait for the wait for the marriage class and then ask. (laughs) How do I know if I'm a loving person? Ask your children. You know, the way that we know whether we're loving people is to ask those that are closest to us, right? Because they're the ones that know better than anybody. But what does a loving person look like? Well, Paul paints this portrait. So if you want to know what a loving person looks like, let's, let's use the paintbrush and let's paint it right here. And so a portrait of a loving person is given to us in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 through 7. He listed the characteristics of a loving person. Y'all ready for this? I'm warning you. This could be grueling. This could be painful. So this is it. Characteristic number one of a loving person is a loving person is patient. Shall we pray now? <laughs> Love is patient. Now, patient, in case you're wondering, means to have the ability to suffer long when dealing with difficult people. Oh, my Lord. Help (laughs) us. Help us. Right? Patient is being able to suffer long. The second characteristic of a loving person, I'm going to move through these quick, okay? So it doesn't hurt so long. Okay, a loving person is kind. Loving person is kind. A kind person has the ability to sacrifice and serve to meet the needs of others. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 4, 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Whenever you look at verse 31, you could really say the beginning of that verse is the antonyms to kindness. And then everything after the word kindness gives you an idea of what kindness should be. You know, somebody said kindness is really love in action. Whenever, whenever somebody says, that's very kind of you. When you think about that, what is it that we do that people are motivated to say? Oh, that was very kind of you. So that's, that's the idea. Love is kind. It's very practical, isn't it? The third characteristic of a loving person is a loving person is not jealous. 13.4, love is patient, kind. This is what love is. Love is patient, love is kind, and then love is not jealous. Jealous means to covet or overly desire what others have to the point that it begins to alter your behavior in a negative way. I mean, it's okay to say, man, I'd like to have a house like that. But whenever it starts affecting your behavior towards others, you you want that house too bad. (laughs) Amen. Amen. So listen, Proverbs 27, 4 says, anger is cruel and wrath is like a flood. But jealousy is even more dangerous. You ever heard of fatal attraction? Fourth characteristic of a loving person is a loving person is not boastful. That's in verse 4. Love is not jealous or boastful. Now, what does boastful mean? It means to brag about your own good behavior or your own accomplishments. And So, you know, what, what makes us do that? And let me tell you how good I am. Hey, how many wants to know how good I am? You, don't, you usually don't have a crowd, right? But what is it that, isn't in our insecurity... That motivates us to tell people how good we are and what great accomplishments we've made. But it's our insecurity that really causes us to boast, right? But listen what Proverbs 27, 2 says. Let someone else praise you, not your own mouth, a stranger, not your own lips. Let somebody else think that you're doing good. (laughs) Amen. That's basically what he's saying. Y'all got it? If you got it, say, I got it. Move on, Todd. Come on, let's go. Fifth characteristic of a loving person. A loving person is not proud. Love is not jealous. It's not boastful or proud. Proud means to have an inflated opinion of one's own importance, value, or abilities. In Romans twelve three, Paul said, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. But to think is to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each measure of faith. Sound judgment, I've heard said, is, you know, what sound judgment is, is like not thinking too little of yourself. Well, you just think like you're a nobody. You're just a worm. No, you're a child of God. There's great value on you, right? But, you know, the other extreme is to think you're more important to everybody and everybody needs to bow down to you. And that's wrong, right? So you need to have sound judgment not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to. You know what the natural tendency is to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to? It's the natural tendency. It's really what kicked got Lucifer kicked out of heaven. I mean, he was the head angel, man. And he thought he was something else because he was so, so incredibly adorned with God's creation. And he ended up kicked out. So that's that's something to think about. Let's not. Allow ourselves to think more highly of ourselves than we should. Let's work on sound judgment. The sixth characteristic of a loving person a loving person is not rude. Rude. Have you ever heard somebody? Have you ever heard somebody say, You're rude? Paul said, love is not rude. Rude means to be impolite. You know, the greatest form of rudeness is when somebody's talking and you interrupt them. Because what you have to say is more important than what they have to say. Have you ever done that? How many of you have done that many times like me? But it's impoliteness, it's rude. Being harsh in your mannerisms and your behavior. The bottom line, Paul said, is love is not rude. Okay, you still with me? The seventh characteristic of a loving person is a loving person that does not demand its own way. It does not demand its own way. Demanding its own way means to have excessive to to have excessively concerned yourself with your own interests and welfare. Demand its own way. Well, I don't like the way it's this is going to affect me. Well, this is not the best thing for me. We get totally self-absorbed. And so we want everything to make us comfortable. And so we demand our own way. In Philippians 2 and 3, Paul says, don't be selfish, but uh, don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. The eighth characteristic of a loving person is a loving person is not irritable. It's not irritable. Irritable means... When you're not irritable means you're not easily angered or upset or easily moved out of that place of peace. You know, how many kids does it take you to be irritable? You know, how many children in your house does it take you to be irritable? Now, we'll say, well, I don't have patience for that. No, you know what it is? It's really we're lacking love. Ouch. Doesn't that hurt? But is it true? Is that what Paul's saying? Love is not irritable. Man, I never looked at it like that. But that's what Paul is saying. It's not not easily irritated. A loving person, number nine, keeps no record of wrong. Keeps no record of wrong. In other words, you don't hold a grudge and you forgive people whenever they wrong you. Love forgives. Love releases people that hurt them the most loving people are the most merciful and the most forgiving people on the globe. The more you love, the more you forgive. The more you love, the more mercy you have. Does anybody feel like they're lacking yet? Or should I go through a few more? How many of you got to the point where you say, okay, I need love. Okay, some of us hadn't yet, so let me give you a couple more. All right, finally, the tenth characteristic and the last one. Of loving person and encapsulated these not to prolong the torture. A loving person always encourages and pulls for others. Listen what verse 6 and 7 says. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. A loving person doesn't easily give up on others. A loving person is always pulling and encouraging and hoping that it's going to get better. Amen. So listen, from this list of ten characteristics, you can tell that love is not an emotion. It's a behavior. You know, we look at love as an emotion. I feel like loving. And it's not an emotion. It's a behavior. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, love has to be a way of life. We can't wait till we feel like loving the love. He doesn't say, you know, listen, whenever you feel like it, man, just go around loving people. The reason why he didn't say that is because, man, if we wait till we feel like it, like people say, man, I don't love them anymore. Well, it's not an emotion. It's a behavior. It's a decision. Amen? And so, so whenever you look at the word love, listen to what, listen what 1 Corinthians 16, 14 says. Everything you do should be done in love. Everything? I mean, come on. Can't you leave a little bit of wiggle room right there? You know, Do you know who I work with? You know, but listen to what he says. Every what does everything mean? Means every Facebook entry needs to be out of love. Ouch. Every email needs to be done out of love. No, God has not called you to be the prophet. He's called you to be the lover of people. Amen. Come on. Are you all with me out there? All right. Okay, we're going to pray for one another in a little while, okay? Just hang on here. So let everything we do be done out of love. So let me ask a few questions. Does God require me to love difficult people? Everything we do, does difficult people fit in everything we do? Yes. So, you know, difficult people are those who are hard to work with and get along with. You know. We would maybe describe them as weird. You know, weird sometimes is just like they're not like me. <laughs> right? Come on, I'm meddling now. I know it. Amen. And let me ask you this question. Does God require me to love the demanding? The demanding are those who are aggressive, pushy, and always seem to have an agenda. You know what you need to do, Pastor Todd? Oh, I've been waiting to find out what you think I should be doing. Because I don't have enough people telling me what I should be doing. Everything you should do should be done out of love. So you got to sit there and say, oh, mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so listen. Does God require me to love the disappointing? The disappointing are those who let you down by breaking promises. They're disloyal. They're unfaithful. They fail you in some way. Do you need to love those people that do that? Everything you do should be done in love. What about destructive people? The people that are harmful to you. That are evil. That are hateful. That seem intentional to try to cause other people harm. Are we supposed to love those? Let me, let me answer the question. Matthew 5.43, you have heard the law that it says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. Pray for them. Pray for them. God, may your wrath get them. May they have fleas in their bed. (laughs) No, not like that. I'm praying for him, brother. I'm waiting for lightning to strike. No, no. Wrong gospel. Amen. All right. So how many of you feel like, man, I need to become more loving? Okay, those of you that don't, would you pray for me? All right. So how do you strengthen your love life? Well, I need to choose to make love a priority. I need to choose. Love is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's a choice. It's not a feeling. You know, in today's day and age, if they don't feel it, they don't want to do it. But the Bible doesn't say love is a feeling. Can't wait to be moved with an emotion to do what's right. Deuteronomy thirty twenty says, choose to love the Lord your God and obey Him and to cling to Him. Does God make us love Him? It's a choice. It's a choice. He chooses to love us. And He's asking us to choose to love Him. And just like we have to choose to love Him, we have to choose to love others. We choose to love or not to love we got to make a decision. I need to be somebody who loves. It should be the greatest priority of my life. It's the most important thing. Because if I don't love, everything I say is going to be empty. Everything I know is really not going to make much of a difference. Right? And so he makes this list. He says, man, you know, you could make all these sacrifices for God. But it's really not going to matter. You could give hundreds of thousands of dollars away. But if it's not motivated out of love, it's a waste. So we need to choose to make love a priority of our life. Then number two, I need to begin acting in a loving way. Love has action. In 1 John 3, 18, dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions you know sometimes you know in in the years past i've done counseling and and uh and and you know there's a couple and and let's say for instance uh, the the husband is like you know unfaithful and all that And he says i love my wife it's like well man you're not showing it very well at all right i mean somebody says i love you and you say really how will i really know if you love me i can tell can't you Can't you tell? How do we tell? How can we tell if somebody genuine loves us? By their actions. By what they do. How many of you know actions speak louder than words? Right? (laughs) Always does. So listen, love is not something you say, but something you do. Somebody says, I don't feel like loving people. Well, join the gang. You don't wait till you feel like loving. Begin loving and the feelings are going to come. Right? Is that right? So number one, I need to choose to make love a priority. Number two, I need to begin acting in a loving way. Number three, I need to keep practicing the skills of loving people. How many of you know you get better at what you practice? Right? First John 4, 7 says, dear friends, let us practice loving each other. For love comes from God, and those who are loving and kind show that they are the children of God and that they are getting to know Him better. Let us practice loving each other. You know what I believe? God gives us loving test. And He wants us to be better lovers, right? Because he's, God is love. and He wants us to be like Him. So you know, how, you know what I... You know, the way God teaches us how to love, I think, is that He puts people that we can't stand in our path. Because if we can learn to love people we can't stand, then, man, it's easy to love the rest of the world, right? And so, you know, next time you get an opportunity to love people that you really don't like, remember this, God is giving you opportunity to learn how to love, to practice love. It's easy to love people that are lovable, as Tanya was saying a few weeks ago, it's the unlovable that are really the ones he wants us to love. You know, he says, listen, even even people that are not Christians, they love each other to some extent. I mean, man, listen, you know, right here we have our brother Alvin here served in the military. Those guys, they get in a foxhole together. They watch each other's back. You don't think there's some love in that? Man, you got to believe it that they would even go to lay down their life for the sake of a friend. But God is requiring the body of Christ to love more than anybody else on the globe. Amen? It's not Eros love. It's not Phileo love. It's agape love. It's that unconditional love. i tell you what speaks to the world. It's not erotic love. It's not brotherly love. It's agape love that speaks to the world. And say, now there's something different about them. Amen? And that's our goal, gang, right? To be a light. To be a testimony. To be a witness. Amen? So we need to practice loving one another. And the way that we can practice is right there in our house. With our spouse. With our children. Now listen. Sometimes the hardest people to love. Is the people that are closest to you. But again. If you can love people that are closest to you. Then it will be easier to love people. At your workplace. In the Walmart waiting line. And on Ambassador. Traffic Caffery. (laughs) Amen. 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 Come on. If you, if you with me, say amen. 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 Loving people is something we can get better at. So listen, you know, listen, you know, if people come to family life church and they like it, do you think it's so much because of my great preaching? No, listen, we have newcomers lunches and they never say, man, this great preaching in this church is all this great music in here. And there is a, there is, this is a loving place. I'm telling you, I'm not kidding. I hear that more than anything else. You know what impacts people? It's not what all this hot air. It's the love of the people within the walls of the church. They got a lot of different churches. What is it that would make this one different than any other one? Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Right? Okay. Now, who stole a parking place this morning on your way in the parking lot? <laughs> Raise your hand right now. Confession time. No, but you, you hear what I'm saying? I mean, it's just like if we're arguing on the parking lot, that, that's my pew. I've been sitting in this pew for 20 years. Oh, well, I'm a guest. I didn't know. Well, let me pray for you. (laughs) Oh, they could be moved to salvation, right? And so love is really what impacts people's lives. Don't you agree? And then finally, the way that I become a lover of people is I need to ask God for help. Because we all have limitations. You know what I believe? I believe that, you know, I'm, I'm going I'm to say something and I don't know how you feel and I really could care less. That was rude. Wasn't it? <laughs> that was rude. That wasn't very loving. But let me, let me just say, you know, I've heard all kinds of opinions about Joel Osteen. Okay? And I'm not telling you how I feel. But I want to make this observation. His dad, I don't know if any of you knew his dad. His dad Oozed with so much love. It's unbelievable. Joe was raised in that family. You know what? It's hard for Joe to be critical. He didn't hear much in his house. He was raised in a loving environment. And you know what I think? Some of us, we're harsh. We're rude. We're calloused. Because we were raised in a harsh, hard, rude, callous environment. Harshness produces harshness. Cruelty produces cruelty. Do you know people that go out and are violent criminals, most of them got abused whenever they were young? And there's some of us in this room this morning that were raised in abuse and it's not so easy for us to be loving. But listen, I want to encourage you today. That we can ask God to soften our hearts, tenderize our hearts, and say, God, I don't want to use my environment to be an excuse of why I'm so ugly. I want to be more loving. I know it represents you better than anything. So God, help me. How many of you believe God can help you? Amen. God can help us. Amen if we'll just choose, if we'll hunger, if we'll desire to be more loving, God is love. And the more of God we have, the more loving we're going to be. You know, listen. The more in the presence of God we are, the more kindness we're going to have. The more in the presence of God we are, the more unconditional love we'll have. Amen. So listen, let me close with First John 4, 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from, where does love come from? Not eros, not phileo, agape, unconditional love, comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of, anyone who loves is a child of, and knows, somebody who knows God loves people. The more we know God, the more we're going to love people. We need to get to know Him. Not head knowledge, heart knowledge. Amen? Verse 8, But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. That preaches right there. I'm just reading that. Doesn't that preach? Amen. You got that? Okay, y'all ready to pray for one another now? Okay, reach your hand towards Todd, you know you know let's stand together, man, isn't it true? Wow, goodness, I need to hear a message like that like every couple hours, right? But really, the true test of our Christianity, our spirituality is our ability to love God so loved the world that He gave His Son. It was all motivated out of love. The reason why Jesus died on the cross was because God loved me so much. It's because God loved you so much. You know what? He wasn't critical. He wasn't judgmental. He didn't come to condemn. He came to release us from condemnation, right? He came to release us. You know, we need to remind ourselves that God was very loving towards us. We didn't get so good, become so righteous that God couldn't stand it. He had to have us in his family like, oh, I got to have that guy, that drug head, that evil, wicked. No, thank God he was motivated by unconditional love. Or I would still be out there like a goose lost in high weeds. Amen. How about you? How about you? Amen. So remember, that's how God views people. That's how God views other people that have those idiosyncrasies that we think are weird. God loves them. Unconditionally. And he wants us to love. Unconditional. so can we before we go ask God to help us today can we ask him can we ask him I know some of you in here today you can't give what you've never received and some of you you've not been loved very much in your life it seems like you were you were the kicking the whipping post you you were the one that got the brunt of all the harshness and it's, it's the reality. It's a dysfunctional world we live in, a, a harsh world. And some of you today, you're suffering from a lack of love. You weren't affirmed. You weren't, you weren't um, encouraged. You weren't assured. So you're struggling with your identity. You know, Brother Francis used to teach us all the time. You see somebody with pride, it's somebody that's just masking their insecurity. Right? And if you see somebody that's so timid that they can't tell you their name, it's because they have never experienced the kind of love from God that gives them the assurance that they're valuable. So really, whenever you look at people that have a lot of problems, really what they're missing is love. And as Tanya said, how is God going to love the world if it's not going to be through you and I? Amen? We are His hands. We are His feet. So let us love. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace, God. Help me, Lord. God, I feel like so wanting today. God, I know that, Lord, you want so much more in this area. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love never fails. Love lasts forever. Love gives meaning to life. Love gives credence to what I have to say. Lord, help us to be filled with love. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Lord, may your love just fill hearts today. Help us, God, to love like never before. Now listen, some of you here today, it all starts with those who know God Love. Maybe you don't know God. Maybe you've never been, never stepped over the line and given your life to Christ and and become a a full-on believer. You maybe just kind of looked at it. You've been kind of, you know, just observing it. You've been, you know, believing God, but you haven't surrendered. You haven't turned over. Everybody else is going to start loving you right now by praying for you. And I want to give you a chance this morning to just respond to the love of God. Because listen, while you were getting kicked, God was noticing and He knows the pain and the suffering you've been through and that's the reason why He went to the cross because He paid ahead of time for the what you would need today. He knew that you would need love. You would need a, uh, affirmation. You would need acceptance. And that's why Jesus died. He died so you could be saved. He died so you could have love in your heart. Amen? So if that's you today and you say, Ty, would you pray for me? I'm not sure I'm a Christian, but I want to be. Raise your hand right now and I want to pray for you. Now listen, I want you to just bow your head with me and just pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I need your love. Come on, just say it. I need your love. I need your grace. God, help me. Help me, Lord. I know I'm a sinner. Lord, I know you forgive. I need your forgiveness for my sin. Lord Jesus, I surrender. Give my life to you. Father, thank you for loving me and accepting me unconditionally. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 Okay, y'all ready to go? Y'all ready to go do it? Right? Let's. Hey, listen. When you go to the restaurant today, be nice. And don't be demanding, okay? All right? That's homework. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a great day.